Welcome to the Geek Generation. I am your host, Rob Logan, and holy crap, it's episode 300. I wasn't sure we'd ever make it to this point, but we are here. And in this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. I asked my friend Pumpkinberry if she would like to come on the podcast and interview me. I never get to be interviewed, and as you guys know, I always have a lot to say. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to turn the tables around, and she was willing to do the interview, so... Here you go. Uh, A little bit about the podcast, my days as a pro wrestler, the stuff I do on Twitch, uh, the people I've interviewed, and a whole bunch of other things in between. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks for being here with me for all of this time. I appreciate the uh, listeners that have been with us long term. I appreciate the listeners that are just hopping on now. It's been a wild ride, and we're still going, so let's jump right in. Uh, there's there's no like good way to start an interview. Honestly, it's just like, are you nervous? Let's go. Am I nervous? I'm a little nervous, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I know. I'm a it's little like nervous. You, you usually do the interviewing. So the tables have turned. Um, So the the podcast has been going for almost eight years. I yeah, think you said. Before yeah, we this started. summer, it'll be about eight years, which I feel like maybe we should have more than 300 episodes at this point. But we took a couple big breaks, like hiatuses that weren't necessarily planned but they happened yeah well i mean when it's going for eight years i would imagine things come up sometimes um what inspired you to start a podcast uh so let's see well the website and everything started maybe five or six months prior to the podcast did and that was um i had been a teacher for about four years and was like ready to get i was i'd been essentially promised a classroom yeah. And they ended up laying me off instead. Holy shit. So at that point, I was on unemployment and I could have immediately started for a new job, but I was very disheartened just yeah. from like the the first place that I was working in education cut me loose after I'd been working really hard to get this thing after for four years. And uh, I was like, well, I'm not actively searching for a job right now. I'm on unemployment. I can either sit here on my butt and do nothing, but that's not me, or I can do a thing and try to make a job that I want and see if I can make that into my career. Um, So I started busting my butt while I was doing my student teaching because I I did that after I was already teaching for four years. Holy crap. And coincidentally, that's all when my vertigo started, too. So it's probably uh, stress induced. (laughs) Yeah, probably. I didn't know you had vertigo. Oh, yeah. I've been dealing with that for as long as the site's been up. Wow. And you do you I mean when's the last time you had a an episode? Um it's not it's not like horrible horrible. I it feels like I'm walking on a boat every now and then. But it's wow. mostly like constant brain fog. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I had a I had a friend that had vertigo at one point and eventually she had to stop coming to work because she'd just be sitting there and all of a sudden everything would start spinning and should have to lay down for four hours. Yeah, I don't think it's ever been that extreme. I get like little flashes of almost it gets black for a second and then I come back real quick. You don't strike me as a very stressful person, Rob. 
I am <laughs> insanely stressed all the time. I just what? hide it very well. I am a ball of anxiety. What? Yeah. I would not have. I. You just seem so calm all the time. It's an I, act. <laughs> it's, an, it's an act. It's an act. So do you, I mean, do you do anything for stress management or anything like that? Do you, do you make attempts? Like, how do you? I've played with uh, meditation. I have a hard time focusing on it. Because my brain goes all over the place, but I know yeah, there are me kinds too. of meditations that deal with that. It's one of the reasons that I got into hypnosis uh, is that I've been trying to reprogram my brain since I got vertigo and I haven't been able to do it yet. I was actually going to ask you about hypnosis, so I guess we'll just talk about it right now. So um, you just finished it, though, right? You're certified. You got that done like last weekend or the Three weekend before, ago, right? Three weeks ago, I yeah. got a uh, certification in clinical hypnotherapy. That's crazy. Like, I feel like you're a jack of all trades. You do, you know, you're Master doing this podcast. None, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I know that feeling. But um, <clears throat> so with the hypnosis, like, what are you going to do with that? Is it just for you or is it just like, is it something that you're going to push more towards? It's a little bit for me, um, but it's also a potential another source of revenue. So yeah, at my level, there are different levels of certification. And at my current level, there are certain things that I can deal with safely. And there are other things that I can't do because I need a doctor's recommendation. So hypnosis is actually recognized by the American Medical Association as a viable thing. A doctor can recommend you to a hypnotherapist or you are really mm -hmm. is, it, is it for things like quitting smoking yep. or so I can help people quit smoking. I can help with weight loss and uh, exercise motivation. I can help with relaxation, doing things we call like a brain massage. That's really cool. Instead of for your body is for your mind. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of stuff like that, but I can't deal with like insomnia and like really, really deep stuff. That's interesting. Are you going to keep going? I don't know. I, I liked the class I took, but I don't know if I would recommend it. I feel like I only did really well in it because I've been studying it on and off for the last like six or seven years. Yeah. Do you think it was like just not enough, not enough? prep or it was like, so somebody who maybe didn't study it would struggle yeah we spent a lot of time on like the induction and whatnot and not enough time on the therapy portion mm. so there's like all these steps where you have to put someone into a hypnotic trance and then take them out but then like in the time when they're in trance you have to implant the suggestions uh and that's the therapy portion of it so I have like scripts and stuff that I follow and I have to do like interviews to find out what kind of visual imagery works for that person. Um, but you're okay with the interview part. I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> you've been doing, yeah you've been doing interviews for eight years. So yeah. you're good with that. Yeah. Um, did you get it done? Did you have yes. somebody induce you? I was actually kind of blown away. Um, I'm a little bit of a control freak, as you know. Yeah, just, just a little. Just a little. So for me to give control over... Uh, is very difficult, but since hypnosis, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. A hypnotist is simply a guide. If somebody is not doing the work for themselves, they'll get nothing out of it. Yeah. So you have to be open and willing to the process. And I had my partner for the induction that we did in class was this like 18-year-old psychology student. He was like going to go to college for psychology. He was the oh, youngest wow. kid in the class. And I was like, this is this is not going to work. There's like 35 people in this room. There's so much noise. There's no way. Uh, and he started going through the induction script and I went along with him. And there's a certain part of the process called a convincer 
where uh, the hypnotist has to try some different things with the client to make sure that it's working. And one of those tests is uh, doing like a heavy arm test. So you suggest to the person whether you you say like your right arm is really heavy and you can't lift it no matter how hard you try. And then you try to lift it, right? And and the other thing that's a misconception too is it's not like stage hypnosis where the person doesn't remember anything and they're not aware. I know everything that's being said to me. I'm fully aware of it. I'm trying to lift my right arm. It's not moving. I'm literally saying what the fuck in the back of my head, but I still can't lift my arm. I was blown away. Was that was that scary? Did at any point were you like, what have I what have I gotten myself into? No, because there's no danger. Like there's nothing there's nothing a hypnotist can make you do that you don't want to do. It just doesn't work that way because it is self-hypnosis. So if you don't want to do it, you just won't do it. Like if someone comes to someone and says, oh, I want to quit smoking and you go through the whole process and they leave and they go light up a cigarette. Guess what? They didn't want to quit smoking. They didn't want to quit smoking. Yeah. So can I ask what you had them do? Like, what did you ask for? We weren't doing any suggestions. Oh, it was just it was simply going through the process of being uh, induced and coming back out. Okay, so if you were Mm -hmm. going to ask someone to guide you to help you do something, what would it be? Uh, I would like stress management, stress management. Yeah, I feel like that's probably what I would go for as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just to deal with some anxiety stuff. Some of that's a little deeper, like you can do some surface level stuff, but you can't deal with like deep rooted things at my level. Yeah. But would you go see somebody that could do a deep level? Is that something that you would consider doing? I would definitely go with that over like a physical massage. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I don't like strangers touching me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't knock the physical massage unless you've tried it. You've probably tried it actually. Nope. You haven't? Nope. What did you I mean you used to be a wrestler, I did. so you never got massages nope. or anything don't after? Don't strangers touching me. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. And that's crazy. Okay, so I have to I have to ask you this cuz I feel like, you know, we we touched on it before with the jack of all trades and moving around a bit, but mm-hmm. I, I think I remember the first time you told me you used to be in the wrestling scene. And that was for another number of years too, right? Like, like seven six or years ten too, or something. Yeah. yeah, six years. You were so. What drew you into wrestling then? Uh, so wrestling is this weird thing because uh, as a kid, I was not allowed to watch pro wrestling. My parents didn't let me do it. Every once in a while, I would sneak over to my neighbor's house and watch. So it made it kind of this like forbidden thing. Uh, but I kind of I just fell away from it. I wasn't really interested in it in like high school and everything. And it was really popular. While I was in high school, because I was during like the Attitude Era. Yeah. Where like yeah. Stone Cold and The Rock and everyone, all the really super prominent wrestlers were super popular. It was like the heyday. And I wasn't watching then either. And then when college rolled around, uh, I had some friends that were into it. We started, we actually, it was the video games, weirdly, that kind of got really? me into wrestling. I started playing like the first WWE SmackDown games, just making friends with my sweet mates. Yeah. And that kind of got me familiar with the characters and the moves and stuff like that. And then we started watching pay-per-views every month. And then I started watching the shows. And I was like, wait a minute. This is like a live-action comic book. Like, these yeah. characters okay, are that's all... that's it, then. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. That's what got it. <laughs> these yeah, are all okay. larger-than-life characters. I uh-huh. am a fairly athletic guy, and I like being active. So if I can be a live-action performing superhero, why would I not go after yeah. that? Okay, that makes sense to me. As yeah. soon as you said, "Oh yeah, it's a comic book," it's that a makes a book. lot of sense to me because I mean, I, I, you know, play 
Street Fighter, you know, I might watch Mortal Kombat, but I don't suddenly go, I'm going to go enroll myself in... <laughs> I need to in rip a... somebody's spine out. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have that. So that's interesting. Have you done any other improv or any other acting? I have, outside of wrestling, I haven't. I haven't done improv, but I did do stand-up for a couple of years. Yeah, I think you mentioned that too. Which that's is kind crazy. of acting. Like, there's, it's a version of yourself that's not 100% you. Yeah. And yet is at the same time it's weird <laughs> it's is like that, streaming i guess in a way yeah it is it's I was you just but it's not you, you and it's yeah what is the most appealing about that the you but not you does it feel safer it does it does yeah. although nothing felt weirdly enough nothing felt safer than wrestling as far as performance goes because i was the least me I was yeah. more of you a character were a you even had like a stage name i did you know, i had a couple a different, different characters that i played over the the course of those years at one point i was wearing a mask um yeah i was told not to by my trainer because i was quote too pretty <laughs> <laughs> he's like you get over when you come through the curtain because they see the way you look and you're automatically a good guy and i was like okay i guess that's complimentary but i was like i want to be a superhero so i want to wear yeah. a mask and i want to do all this stuff uh but yeah the the wrestling i felt and the wrestling was the thing that you have to listen to the crowd and you have to respond to the crowd, but it's really about me and the person in the ring with me. And it's this weird, like hyper awareness where like, if you're not paying attention to everything, somebody's getting hurt. So there were actual consequences if you weren't focused on the performance and it is improv too. So like, yeah, there's not, you do talk about like the bigger things you're going to do backstage uh, but when you get out there, you're talking to each other the entire time. Just and with your body language. With body language, with actually like talking. There are things called rest holds where you like hold someone in a submission hold and you're chatting with each other about what you're going to do next. And What? Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So you don't know 100% of what you're doing when you step out there. So there's always some form of risk of like something could go wrong. And if something does, you have to know how to cover it and make it look like it was intentional. Yeah. And keep going. And yeah. Very stagey, very acting like. Yeah. I can relate to that a little bit. Did you find that thrilling? Yes. The oh my idea, God. Yeah, the <laughs> idea that something might go wrong and you have to kind of like know what you're doing and everything could be different each time you got up on yeah. the stage. Or I mean, anyway. I was always a little nervous about I was definitely one of the safer people because yeah. I mean I was I was a high flyer character wise and style wise, so I took the risks. Yeah. But I never wanted my opponent to be in a risky situation. So high flyer just means that you you do crazier stunts. So I would be high flyer generally means like I'm aerial a lot. So I would oh do a lot God. of flips and jumps. And, Rob, yeah, aerial. Mm -hmm. What? That's crazy. So like you know those moves where you like jump up and like bring your elbow down and pretend to elbow somebody in the stomach. My That's you. Finishing move was like a half front flip off the top rope. That what? The, okay. I just can't imagine you punching anyone, let alone like in a very <laughs> grandiose sort of, you know, stage way. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. And it allows you to like cut loose a little bit. Yeah. Like it's not who I am normally, but to be able to like just kind of let everything fall away and just be visceral was really yeah. kind of relieving. Do you I'm assuming you miss it? I do. But at the same time, I don't. It's a it's yeah. a tremendous time commitment and it takes a big toll on your body. So, yeah. Is that why did you stop? Is 
because of the toll that it takes with time and, and on your body or a, li- a little bit of both. Yeah. And I just there there were some situations with people that I thought I was closer to than I was um, that were kind of backstabby. And oh, that's I was just like, eh, I don't think this is the place for me. There's a lot of egos flying around. Yeah. As, you as can with imagine. anything. Yeah like acting or anything like that you got to worry about egos which is unfortunate it's like we're not getting paid or anything here come on we're just putting on a good show let's get over ourselves let's get over ourselves have you ever had any issues with that with streaming or the podcast or anything like that where you feel like you're worried you might get too big for your britches me no i mean i had i had one person accuse me of it someone who used to be on the podcast and is not anymore um we're fine now but there was uh there was a, a blow up at one point I was doing bits on the podcast. I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. So yeah. like a little bit of ball busting, I think is entertaining and they didn't take it that way. Uh, uh, and there was a lot of retaliation and then he brought his friends after me and there was a whole thing. Uh, but now it's, I mean, that's the one time I've been accused. If I don't, there's not a lot of people who've in the course of my life accused me of being like on a high horse or, yeah, you don't strike me as the type to ever succumb to that. So I try um, not to. Is there anything that you do to kind of like keep yourself in check? Um, I have horrible self-esteem. That's Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I have horrible self-esteem, so that takes care of it for me. Yeah, yeah it's kind of a natural check and balance system. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> That's not that's not a check. I mean, it's not it's not it's not a healthy way to keep it in check, but it works. (laughs) But it works. I guess it works. Um, So directly after you were done wrestling, is that when you you went to teaching and then from teaching to the podcast? I was actually teaching while I was wrestling. Oh, okay, Right. So I'm just getting the timeline in my head of how quickly you moved from these things. They overlap a lot. Yeah, they overlap (laughs) a lot. Okay, so when when did Twitch come into the picture here? Oh, boy. Uh, Twitch was maybe like, I think, two, two and a half years ago. It was mid-podcast, mid-teaching, after wrestling, for sure. Wrestling, it's been a few years at this point. Um. But yeah, Twitch, Twitch, I actually came to because I wanted more people to listen to the podcast. I was like, if I gain an audience here, because physical marketing is not something that works well for digital content. So you want someone to be in front of their computer already. So if I can say, hey, just click this link and listen to this thing, then that was my entire motivation for streaming when I started. It's changed drastically since i did but that was my initial like i just want people to listen to the show listen to the thing that i like doing the most so would you say that if you had one first love it would be the podcast absolutely it's the one thing that i've stepped away from several times and keeps coming back at me you can't i just i miss it too much i like i'll go a week and be like oh i need to talk about oh we're not doing podcasting right now um who am I going to yell into the ether about this thing that I need yeah. to talk about? So what are your favorite topics that you've covered then on the podcast? Oh, man. Hmm. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is uh, we do a segment called the spoiler room where we go and yeah. really dice it. You were you were on one when we talked yeah, about season one. two of Sense8. <laughs> um, I really like the deep dives into one yeah. particular piece of media. There's something 
It's something not enough people do, I think. A lot of people consume things, especially with all the media that's out there. Yeah. A lot of people consume things on a very uh, shallow kind of analytical level. And I really like going into it deeper. And I also like as a media consumer, I'll watch a movie or a TV show and be like, I need to discuss this with other people. I just want to. I want to find out what other people think about this. I want to join in a conversation. And I know that not everybody has those people in their life. I have a lot of friends that are on the podcast who are like, I come do the podcast because this is the only place I can talk about it. I don't have friends that talk about this stuff. That will talk about the shows and stuff like that. So you get those people together. And then if you don't have those people or you can't find those people in your life, download the podcast and maybe join in the conversation. Like not necessarily be a part of the conversation, but still be a part of the conversation in a way. Yeah. I listened to the Altered Carbon uh, episode oh, yeah. and yeah, and I, it was so difficult for me because I wanted to add so much to that mm-hmm. conversation, but then you realize, oh, oh, it's not live. I can't even like hop into, cause I didn't get to catch it while, while it was live. Um, so I couldn't even hop into the chat or anything and, and talk about it. But that that is also one of my favorite things, especially for shows or media that you seem to cover on the show. It's like, it's meant to be talked about mm-hmm. or, you know dissected so i think it's hard to be a podcast listener and not want to be a podcaster on some level yeah because so often you become engaged in the conversation and go i want to add in well i can't add into that one so i'll just make my own conversation that's kind of how it started for me really yeah so what were you listening to before you started um it's weird to even think about like it wasn't necessarily podcasting it was more howard stern because i've been listening to him since about 2004 i haven't missed an episode since 2004 what i'm a diehard howard stern listener i love him he is my hero aside from batman it's batman and howard yeah. stern <laughs> Batman, <laughs> not related at all no <laughs> not even similar nope. but that's that's good so do you find yourself pulling from him a lot when hey you now do interviews? is from him hey now is from hey him now is like the biggest tribute and that's not even his original thing he pulled that from the larry sanders show so it just yeah. keeps going um I do listen to his. He is the best interviewer I've ever heard. He's amazing. And I do listen to his style and I think about the things he does. I don't do everything similar to him. One of the things he does a lot is he'll interrupt. Uh, He'll interrupt a flow to ask another question. And I feel he does that a little bit to keep someone from getting too comfortable. No, that's interesting. So if he keeps them, if he keeps them on the edge of their seat, Sometimes they're not thinking about what they're saying as much. They'll just say it. Huh. That's that's kind of a strange thing to think about. It is. But I, yeah. I like I like hearing people's full responses and I like listening to it. So that's yeah. it's not something that works for my style of interviewing, but I recognize it and I appreciate it about what he does. And I like how he he'll jump too. he doesn't always yeah. go with a flow. Sometimes he'll jump and stop for a little while and attack something and then come back to something he talked about 10 or 15 minutes later. And I like that. The the fact that he can keep track of all that, too, is. Yeah, that's amazing. Probably a lot of practice yeah. also, like in memory games and things like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So when you started eight years ago, mm-hmm. almost, um, what did you have any idea? I mean, saying like, did you have any idea where it would be is kind of a weird question, but. When you thought about yourself eight years from the future, mm-hmm. what did you envision for the podcast? 
Uh, I actually envision at this point it'd be much bigger. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, this is not like some glorified success story. Uh, yeah. This is a labor of love, and it still yeah. is. And I honestly didn't know how long it would go. If you had told me that I'd be doing it for eight years, I might have doubted it because I didn't think my attention span was that long. But there is literally like nothing in my life I've done as long as the podcast. And like stuck with, there's no job I've had as long or anything because it's the podcast has been the biggest commitment to any project I've ever had. Do you ever feel like giving up on it? I have had the thought a couple times. It's one of the reasons that we had a couple hiatuses. Uh, there is an investment of time. And sometimes if you feel like you're not getting a return on that investment, it's emotionally yeah. draining. Yeah. Sometimes you can only put yourself out there so much before you go, well, nobody really cares. Yeah. So you're like, well, what else can I try? What else can I do? And I've done, I've started other podcasts. Um, yeah. I started streaming and I found streaming to be more emotionally rewarding because it's a back and forth. Yeah. When for podcasting, I was shouting out the window for so long. And yeah. I didn't know, I would get emails every now and then from people that yeah. were kind of like our diehard listeners. But aside from that, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know if people were listening. There were just numbers of downloads. Yeah. So, and people could download without listening. So I didn't yeah. even know there, but yeah, you're like, is anybody, it's kind of feels a little bit like shouting into the void a little bit. It does. <laughs> but there's something I also like about that too, because it's, I don't know, it's like creating an archive of me. That is pretty profound, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so, especially because the Geek Gen podcast focuses on your interests at the time. It so is. So you basically yeah. have an archive of everything that's really intrigued you or interests you or, you know, heroes that you've been able to interview, you know, things like that. Like I, I, I've, for those listening, I've gone over to, I've been to Rob's house and on his wall, it's like just so many signed autographs from stars that he's met. And I just, I just can't, I, I don't think I would be able to stand there and go, I, I, I did that. Like I birthed this pretty much. Like I, I was able to meet these people because of my labor of love. Mm. So do you ever have moments where you say to yourself, like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, I can't believe I'm standing here interviewing this person. There are, there are absolutely people that I have met and interviewed that I've been blown away by just being like in their presence. It doesn't happen a lot anymore because yeah. unless I like get to that next level and I'm, I have access to a different tier of yeah. people. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of voice actors. Uh, I last year at San Diego comic-con, I got to interview Kevin Conroy, who is the voice of Batman for the animated series. It wasn't the first time I met him. Um, mm -hmm. I've had some encounters with him before. Uh, I've, I'd gotten his autograph separately. Uh, the first thing he said to me was, you sound too much like me. I have to kill you. <laughs> and you were like, oh. I, there's no greater compliment in the world than being compared to the voice of Batman for me. Yeah. Um, another time I showed up in a Batman costume at a convention and I had him and uh, Will Friedle, the voice of Batman Beyond, read a a scene from Empire Strikes Back as Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis. And that oh was amazing. God. And then I talked to Kevin about it when I interviewed him. Yeah. Afterwards. What was it like to interview him? Surreal. Um, yeah. Were you like sweating or did, a, did, did calm Rob take over? <laughs> like there is, there is some muscle memory uh, just in demeanor when it comes to mm -hmm. interviews, but 
between the fact that it was him and the fact that it was actually kind of a rushed interview. So like we had run out of time in the press room and he had like three more interviews on the line and he just said, I'm staying here to finish these three interviews. Like he could have left and could have been done. And the PR agent was like, your time's up. We need to go. And he's like, no, I'm going to do these last three interviews because he's just that kind of a guy. Yeah. And so it was a little rushed. And yet I was still like, I I don't know. It, It meant a lot to me because the, I obviously I'm, you guys know how big a fan of Batman yeah. I am and the version of Batman that shaped who I am the most is that animated series Batman. That is the best version of Batman in my opinion. What do you love so much about Batman? <laughs> Sorry. That's, no, that's a that's a that's a <laughs> completely valid huge question. I actually yeah. wrote my college essay on it. Uh, about why really? Batman was my hero. It's what got yeah. me my job as an RA too when I was in college. What? The, uh, so tell me. The people what, saw What did you so, tell them? Uh, the biggest thing that I... So there's there's kind of the obvious things of like, oh, he's cool and he's dark and uh, yeah. there's that. Um, I don't want that. No, things. no. There's also uh, the fact that the character of Batman is someone who's at his physical and mental peak. He is trained to be like good at everything which is something that i also try to do in a way hence the jack of all trades yeah. um but more so than anything he is 100 percent selfless he mm. does nothing while he has a goal and he got something that like motivates him nothing he does is for reward it's all for the act of doing it and he's of all superheroes, he's not like Superman. He doesn't stay out in the light. He's not an inspiration to people necessarily. He's yeah. like a silent protector. And there's something really admirable about the person who kind of works in the shadows as it doesn't go, hey, look at me. Like, just do, just be a good person. Don't yeah. scream out, hey, look at me, I'm a good person. I know that's not like the typical perception of batman but that's what i see when it's I look not at him. but that's it's interesting and it's fascinating and it's accurate actually i i wonder sometimes um because i always liked batman as a little girl too um and in fact i think for my i think i may have told you this but for for my birthday one year um and it was super big deal for everybody to like have clowns or something and my dad hired a guy to come up dressed as batman to my birthday party <laughs> awesome. and i just remember being like oh and then afterwards apparently i said like oh it's it's not the real Batman, though. I know he's like too busy to come to my birthday or something <laughs> like that. But it was nice of him. Not, not nice of this guy to like try or whatever. But yeah. I'm trying to think of what I liked most about Batman. Um, and I think it's something similar. I don't know if I necessarily saw him as selfless as much as trying to remain in control mm-hmm. and running as much as as um, I mean, there's the mental Batman. health psychosis part of Batman for sure. Yeah. But I've never looked at the character that way. And maybe yeah. that says something about me. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay though. That's okay. So, do you find yourself emulating Batman? Like, I find when I think about my heroes, mm-hmm. sometimes we're inclined to think, like, oh, what would they do in this situation? Do you ever find yourself doing that? Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like, and whether it's Batman intentional, <laughs> I don't know if there's an actual what would Batman do. Yeah. It's like he's just been a part of my process i guess for so long mm-hmm. that it's just integrated um i have done physical things to like to try to emulate batman in a ways bit more. so like obviously just being athletic and like yeah. trying to train and stuff like that 
Um, but the the thing that sticks with other people the most when I uh, unintentionally scare them is that for a while I tried to move silently when I walked. So I got in a habit of like rolling my feet from my heel to my toe instead of like stomp walking. Yeah. And I got so good at it and such a habit of it. So like I'll go into rooms all the time and people will like jump when I say hi to them. It's true. It's true. Actually, you've done it to me. I think a couple of times because I move silently. That's yeah, you do. And I don't do it intentionally anymore. That's just the way I walk. Yeah. But you used to you used to say to yourself, oh, Batman walks silently. So I'm going to. That's crazy. That's amazing. Um, I mean, there's things I've done uh, as well, you know, emulating heroes and things like that. But I think that's that's pretty darn cool. Random fact, though. Did you know that humans used to naturally walk toe to heel until I think it was 18 something when we came out with a different type of a shoe or really or yeah, boots with heels, I think. That's when we switched. That's so weird to move Isn't forward, you move backward in a way. Yeah. That's they go so toe, strange. They used to walk toe heel naturally until some type of shoe came out. And, you know, people listening right now, you're going to Google that and, and then, you know, e- email Rob or I to, <laughs> to tell me which shoe it was that came out because I can't remember. But, yeah, I just found out about that like a couple, uh, couple weeks That's ago. That's crazy. I found that fascinating. Yeah. Um. So as far as where you would like to take the podcast mm-hmm. do you ever do you ever say to yourself like because you're you're right a lot of people probably would have given up on their label labor of love by now because it's been eight years and originally when you set out you had a goal in mind mm-hmm. but do you ever say to yourself now like for the future i'm okay with it just being like this for the rest of time i think or it's the only way i can keep goals? doing it i still have goals yeah. for sure there are places yeah. i would love for it to go but i have to make peace with this could be it and if this yeah. is it, am I okay with doing that? And the answer right now is yeah. Yeah. Um, because if I'm doing it for me still, which I am, like if I go too yeah. long without doing a podcast, it itches at me. And I'm like, what I, about it itches at you? Just the connection, maybe? It's part of it is wanting to be creative and make a thing yeah. and get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like streams go away. Even if you like put it up as a VOD, there's something yeah. you, you miss that kind of live magic of it that but there's something about a podcast that makes it eternal and it's out there and even if it's i we do talk about a lot of topical stuff but my favorite episodes are the ones that they call like evergreen content that anybody could listen to anytime and it's still relevant like someone could listen to my show it's crazy to think that someone could listen to an episode of my podcast 20 years from now maybe they're watching like the last jedi for the first time and yeah. they go, oh, I want to find, I want to hear more about this. Yeah. And they could listen to that episode and it's just as relevant then as it was when we first did it. Are you ever worried that you may change into a person you, you know, unrecognizable, I guess, like over the, over decades and that people will go back and hear a different version of you or no, um, get to see you in a different way? No, because I'm kind of mapping my evolution. At the same time, crazy. uh, because I mean, I listen, it's funny because I've gone back and I've listened to early episodes from like the first year or two of doing it. And I'm absolutely a different broadcaster for sure. And definitely a different person. But I at at times, though, I listen to that. I don't remember things that I've talked about specifically. And I'll say a sentence and then I'm like, oh, my I have my next thought. And then I say my next thought. And I'm like, that still lines up. Yeah, (laughs) it's still me. It's crazy. Yeah. 
That's that is pretty crazy. That is pretty cool, though. I feel like I I feel like I used to I don't know if I ever told you this, but I used to do YouTube videos before I ever found Twitch. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, I was YouTuber, but like way back, like 2000 and 2005 wow that's early youtube days yeah i was early youtuber and um yeah i ended up i regret it now but uh when i left i ended up deleting my channel Mm. because uh at the time that i left i was like wow i'm not this person anymore and i don't want this person just like up on on the internet Mm -hmm. for people to like find and then think that it's still me Mm -hmm. and i totally regret it now because there are moments where i'm like man i'd love to pull this this thing that I made up and show you guys how I've changed. Um, and I can't do that. So that's, that's very interesting that you, uh, that you find it as like mapping your, yourself and your identity. Yeah. I have a hard time deleting old content. I don't like it. I feel like I'm killing something. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so true though, because it's such a labor of love for you. Mm -hmm. You, you do feel like you're, you know, maybe cutting off your fingers of, you know, the body of work. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, why do you want to last through the test of time? What about somebody pulling up your podcast 20 years from now is so appealing to you? Hmm. I don't, hmm. That's weird. I, I, Mm. I don't know if it's as appealing to the people now that like, I care more about the, like, yeah, that's appealing that someone could pull, pull up the podcast like 20 years from now, but it's more appealing that someone's listening to it as we're putting it out. Yeah. Um, Because it is, it does. I don't know if it completely fulfills a desire, but it's an attempt to fulfill the desire of just wanting to be heard that kind of everybody has. Yeah. We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. And uh, sometimes podcasting is like, like we said before, it's kind of like screaming into the ether. Like somebody just listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> I have something to say. <laughs> And there's there's an element of it to that. There's also the element of like, I can't not podcast because if I go too long, I have thoughts that build up and I have to say them to somebody. And if nobody's going to listen and (laughs) permit me that time, then I'm going to take it myself. Yeah. So if you could go back eight years Mm -hmm. to past Rob, what is the one thing that you would like advice that you would say about the podcast like what's something that you've learned like that maybe that you didn't expect to learn about podcasting or Mm. anything like that um or related to interviewing or anything wow um the biggest thing as far as interviewing goes the biggest thing that i would tell myself is we're all just people uh because we have a tendency especially when you're talking to people that you've looked up to for a while we have a tendency to put people on pedestals sometimes and forget that they are just people and the moments like I love the I I love interviewing people and I'm very happy with most of the results of most of the interviews I do but it's the moments off camera that I like the most where I get to see the real person before like before the show or right after yeah there's a lot of times I get to uh talk with someone after we've stopped recording And I feel like sometimes that's the best conversation because we've both stopped performing and we're both just talking to each other like actual people. And no matter how many likes or fan, like I've interviewed people that I necessarily was not initially a fan of, like uh, at San Diego last year, we, I interviewed lights, the uh, musician who's doing comic books and stuff now too. I'd never heard of her 
prior. Oh, what? She's amazing. I'd never heard of her. And I, oh, wow. and when, after I had agreed to do the interview, cause I was, I, I never go based on audience number. Uh, yeah. that is not important to me. I care about whether I care about what they're doing. And when I saw yeah. that she was releasing like an album and a comic book that were intertwined, I was like, that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I actually, I, I legitimately <laughs> have questions about that. And I got excited. If I don't get that little level of excitement, I can't do the interview. Not well, at least. Uh, yeah. so I got that little level of excitement. Then I started researching. I was like, Oh my God, she has like millions of like Facebook followers and all this stuff and tons of fans. And so that, because I had like kind of a detachment from who she was, I think the yeah. interview was better. But again, like after we turned off the cameras, we still talked for like 10 minutes just about like, how, how's your weekend? Like, yeah, what are you doing? Like hanging out. And they, they ask you the same questions like why why do you care about me i'm like well, we're just all people so it's it's heartening to see when somebody is at a place where you think they would be holier than thou or untouchable yeah. and then they're just as real as anybody else you are fantastic by the way thank you you are just too. like i heard you say like why would you care about me sort of thing and there's that like self-confidence in there i'm just gonna nip that in the no that right is now. that is a it's why like, would you care about me as a theme of my life yes yes <laughs> hush <laughs> hush that little voice um i feel like i would not want to know or interview someone because what if they don't turn out to be mm-hmm. who i would hope that they would be now, obviously, no naming names or anything, but has that ever happened to you? The whole idea of, like, don't meet your heroes because they might. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Honestly, not really. That's great news. I mean, I've at this <laughs> point, hope. at this point, I've interviewed over 100 people, whether it be at a con for like a five minute interview or an hour long interview on the podcast. Yeah. And most of the time. I either the people who I would say disappoint me at meeting them, I didn't have high expectations of anyway. Okay. And the people, if anything, I have become bigger fans of people from meeting them. Yeah, because you get to know them and and build that connection. Yeah. Yeah. I become invested. Yeah. More for sure. So if for some strange reason tomorrow you were told you could not do a podcast anymore. Mm-hmm. Um do you think interviewing people would still scratch that itch or is there something specific about the medium that is like audio and podcasting that has you hooked? There's something about the long form that you can't do in five minutes. Yeah. And I think that's another reason that I enjoy Howard Stern and one of the reasons he's allowed to be as successful as he is on a late night talk show. When you get like five to 10 minutes with somebody it's surface level and you can't, you just can't, you don't have time. It's often uh, whenever I interview someone long form, too, I always find that like about the 10, 15 minute mark is where people start getting comfortable and it doesn't feel like an interview anymore. It feels like a conversation and people let their guard down and uh, you never get to that point in those quick interviews. But that's 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 the part I really care about. Okay, because you do because I have seen you do those short interviews at cons Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but it feels like a different Rob, if I'm honest. It is. It feels like, yeah, 
And when I listen to your interviews on the podcast, it's it's very much like you're having a conversation and you're you're getting to know the person. Yeah, oftentimes when you do the con interviews, I mean, the PR person's right off screen, right off camera. So you've got that hovering over you. Um, And they often are like you have either one question or two questions. That's it. What? They're fast. Okay, so what do you ask then? Do you have like standard questions that you ask? Or Not is stand- it so I, <laughs> I do more work than most people do when it comes to interviews. When I yeah. find out, like they start booking about a month prior to any con. Yeah. Uh, and I will spend the two weeks, at least two weeks doing research, watching all the content. Uh, I want to be familiar with everything and I will research the person. I want to ask about the yeah. person, not just the product. So like when when I was supposed to do Mr. Robot interviews and I was in the room oh with God, all those oh people. Oh, my God. Just stop. I know. <laughs> I was in the room with everyone. and I had researched people and I found out that certain people were artists and other people like had different interests. And I was like, I want to. So I have this list of all these questions, which is why it was crushing to not have access to yeah. any of them. And kind of be denied that. Uh, but then like I've been and I was standing next to somebody who was from After Buzz, which you've probably heard of before. It's a bigger yeah. name. So they got to do interviews. Their opening question. How's your con? Oh, God. it's the standard generic question. I'm like, do you know how much work I've Just put take into my this? Questions. Just take I, my seriously, questions. I was like, we were talking <laughs> beforehand. He was a super nice guy. And yeah. he was like, so who are these people? What a tragedy. It's crushing. Oh, it's crushing. No. And then I showed him like the questions I had. And he's like, you put a lot of work into this. I'm like, yeah, I do. Because I take this seriously. This is something yeah. you don't just walk into and half ass your way through. It means something, mm-hmm. at least to me. It's yeah. important. I think that shows through in your work. I remember. So for my first interview, like when you interviewed me, I remember you saying you asked me a question. I was sh- I was shocked by it. And you said, well, yeah, I did my research. And at the time, I remember feeling like, oh, my God, Rob's like researching me. And that feels a little weird. But I I did the same thing to you when you asked me to come and interview you here. I was like, "Ooh, cool. All the things that I get to ask him. And like, when did he do this? And I went back and I listened to some some podcast episodes that, you know, I didn't get a chance to. And I don't know. I just think that that's there's a difference between, you know, being prepared Mm -hmm. and, you know, loving what you do and i think you love what you do I it's do. not just about being prepared you love act- i the, do yeah the act of like figuring out what to ask them or finding cool talking points and you probably i i mean how do you feel about the post process not like, do as you enjoy strongly. that as well <laughs> not as strongly I used okay to, i used to so i i've been very picky about like the production quality of it and stuff yeah, and it's amazing um I I used to go back with every episode and I would edit out like every um and ah and yeah. So I would I would oh, record wow. like an hour long episode and then it would take yeah. me to three to four hours to edit it just going through it. And uh, eventually I was like, you know, what, I can't do that anymore. That's what's burning me out. So I kind of yeah. stopped doing that and just like I put in the intro and put in a couple sound effects that we need. And that's it. I, yeah. And then let Otherwise, it just be just raw. Let it be a conversation. Yeah, because if if I if I over and I think the final product when I do edit is great. Yeah, but I don't have that energy or time anymore. Yeah, I well, I also think that it's great just the way that it is natural conversation. Also, I don't think I noticed you say um or uh a lot. I've become more conscious of it over time. That's definitely yeah. a practiced thing. You'll pick up on them if I am either more nervous or. 
if I am having trouble recalling or grasping something in my brain um, like that. <laughs> but yeah. but for the uh-huh. most time, for the most part, it's there's something kind of cool about listening back to yourself. A lot of people are like I don't want to listen to my voice or l- watch my content. Why your voice is amazing? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mind listening to myself. I don't care. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. if you can't listen to yourself or watch yourself, you're never going to learn anything. Oh. You have to be able to be self-critical. It's a part. Stop it's it. It's a part Rob. of the process. I know. But like, oh, that is like the number one piece of advice I was given when I started streaming is like, go back, watch your watch your casts mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's so hard for me. If I you can't, can't find it. what you do entertaining, why would anybody else? It's not that I don't find it entertaining. It's just I feel very exposed. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like I do, too. And I still cringe at some of the stuff that I say yeah. and do and all that. But I just don't like feeling vulnerable. And when I go back and I watch it, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Well, I mean, little yeah, things like ums like... and ahs. Like if you're listening back yeah. to yourself for that, there is a subconscious response to just hearing yourself do it so much. Even if you don't actively think about it next time, you're automatically going yeah. to reduce your usage because you just have built an awareness. How do you detach then? Not to ask you advice in your interview, but how do you detach? Is it because you look at it kind of clinically almost where you're like, I'm listening for ums and ahs? It depends on the way I listen. So if I hear myself use ums and ahs and things like that, I'll kind of like make a mental note and go, okay, yeah, it's okay to breathe because the reason you have to think about why you were doing it too. So one of my biggest reasons is if I wasn't comfortable with dead air at all and letting Uh. things breathe, I thought, boom, 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 onto the next thing. If I stop, somebody's going to turn it off so i have to keep going but now is fine taking a beat is fine because yeah if i listen to somebody who talks too fast then i can't like process it either so you have to be and that's another thing that i learned from stand-up too that helped me when podcasting they it's so weird how like everything intertwines and i always feel like i'm preparing for the job that i don't know i'm gonna get yet yeah yeah there's there's some job i'm gonna get at some point in the future, that's going to be the culmination of all this. And I've almost gotten it a couple of times or been offered jobs that didn't come to Where fruition. You're like, oh, man, this is like everything that I've. Yeah. Been when I was I, I had told you about that job that I was offered yeah. to do uh, online comic conventions and I was going to be a, a moderator. And they were like, it's yeah. it's your live streaming Twitch stuff and chat moderation and your broadcasting background. You're like the ideal candidate for this. And then I don't know if the yeah. company went under or what. But I know that person oh, no. that offered me the job is no longer with them. So I don't know, which is a shame because that would have been a dream yeah. job. But I mean, that's yeah, I remember you saying and I was like, wow, that's like meant for you. Yeah, I, th- I think didn't Steve Jobs have like he said something like that at one point where he was like, yeah, everything that I learned that I was interested mm-hmm. in, like I took a calligraphy course in, in university, the the short time that he was there or something and then this and that and it all led up to what I ended up you know, putting into Apple. Yeah. And so I just remember hearing that and that resonated with me as well. So I keep thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to do what I'm passionate about and then hopefully it'll all work out in the end. So yeah. And it's, it seems to be doing the same thing for you. Part of it is just do the job that you want to have until someone's willing to pay you for it. Yeah. Granted, not everybody's willing to pay you to do everything you're going to do for free. Uh, You do have to put some value on your content. 
But yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I feel like if I keep doing the things that I want to be paid to do, eventually someone will be like, hey, I need to hire you for this thing. Yeah. And you've now you've got insane experience as well, too. So I just yeah, I can't imagine you walking into it. And I've just wondered why you didn't ever go into like a hosting job or anything or interviews locally even and, and apply for a job there. I think when I was younger, I never yeah. considered things like this. Yeah. Like I never considered entertainment until I yeah. was a pro wrestler and I was already done yeah. with college at that point. Yeah. So starting I not that starting that late makes it impossible, but yeah. I definitely am starting later than a lot of people do. So I while I still feel like I could maybe get a job in broadcasting or something, I don't Yeah, like I don't even know the process. Like I like yeah. strangers stop me in the street and say, Oh my god, you should be on the radio. And and they yeah. have been since I was like ten years old. But <laughs> that's not even an exaggeration. No, I believe um, you, I know. And uh I, I despite all that, I still can't seem to find a way in, which is the weirdest part. So that's why I just keep doing it on my own in the meantime. What do you mean you can't find a way in? Like, I would love to do voiceover for yeah. commercials. And I have done a little bit, but it's all for my own projects that I've been hired to do everything else on anyway. Yeah. So finding, like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? I've I've been offered a few things. There was a guy from HBO who approached me. I was like, I really like your voice. And I want to keep in touch. I want to see if I can get you. From and I yeah. there was just no follow-up after I contacted and stuff. So... It's like little carrots like that. So you that. keep contacting. I keep contacting. You do what you do with your you do what you do with your podcast, Rob. You do all this research. You create a reel. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Yeah. You do you do a voice reel of like four or five different character types that you can become. And then we just we just send that reel out nonstop until we find you something. We do what you do with your podcast, your labor of love. That's it. That's it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you with this now. <laughs> Mostly because I feel like Sometimes we do things that are comfortable, like your podcast is a labor of love, but it's very it's much a comfort yeah. zone for you now. And the idea of going out and exposing your yourself and your voice in a different way is probably pretty scary and intimidating. A little so, bit. Yeah. Get you there. All right. I do actually now have <laughs> oh, questions okay. coming in. Oh, boy. So I'm going to I'm going to grab this is the this really scary part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't don't. They're great, actually. Are there different ways that you process direct feedback from the audience about your podcast as opposed to something like your Twitch streaming? Would you say that you are influenced more or less by that feedback with either the stream or the podcast? Hmm. I'm curious about the differences between the two and how you handle it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Feedback is a tricky thing. Because if you listen to feedback, you have to listen to all feedback. You can't yeah. pick and choose. Oh, that's so important. Some people only want to listen to the positive mm -hmm. stuff. So it depends on what kind of feedback, like technical feedback. I listen to all of it and take it all seriously. If someone's like, the audio levels here are a little weird. And so I'm like, okay, I'll look at that. Absolutely. Um, content wise, I used to want to listen to feedback because I wanted to make people happy. And I wanted uh -huh. to kind of take the people pleasing that I have in real life and apply it yeah. to the content I create. But then when I started doing that more, the more I did that, the less happy I was with what I was creating. Hmm. So I have to always fall back on. I know what's best for my content. And if other people don't 
like what I do, like, like what I produce, they're not my audience. Yeah. So I have to do what makes me happy because if I am not, it's going to be bad anyway. So I can either yeah. do what people want and it can be bad. I can keep mm -hmm. doing what I want and be happy with it and they don't like it or I can just keep going until I find the audience that will like what I do while I'm also happy, which is the win-win situation. And you also have to be okay with not everybody liking everything you do. Yeah. And that's fine. There is, there is an audience for each thing, right? It's the, I, that was one of the hardest lessons I learned doing photography mm -hmm. too, is that, you know, you want to do all the things you want to, you know, take the, the newborn baby jobs. You want to take all this stuff just so that you can, you know, please everybody mm -hmm. or, you know, get paid or whatever. And then you have to go, Hey, it's actually better for me if I just narrow my scope. And when I get requests for something that doesn't light my fire, I just say no. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the same, but I guess I wonder like, how do you differentiate between feedback that you want to implement mm -hmm. and feedback that you're going to disregard like how do you make that decision do you have a moment where you sit down and say this feedback that i've gotten yeah i'm i'm adverse to mm -hmm. it but do you ever have a moment where you go why am i adverse to it because it's different or because i know that it's true or because i find sometimes right. i i'll get feedback on anything mm -hmm. and sometimes i'm immediately like oh god no but it's because i i should be doing that thing so i worry that i would get feedback yeah, I mean, there's an argument that some of your feedback is going to push you out of your comfort zone. So you're naturally yeah. averse to it. Uh, and I try to recognize that. But I'm always I'm always thinking of like when I'm creating content. Yeah, I envision the end product. Mm -hmm. That's just how my mind builds things. Uh, the podcast is a little different. I guess this is the biggest difference between Twitch and the podcast as far as like taking feedback is that yeah. when it comes to the podcast i can't envision the final product as much because it's not just me there's other yeah. people involved and when i do like shows on twitch that have multiple people involved it's the same thing i don't know mm -hmm. what the product is going to become and there is something exciting about that because learning how to take it and run in whatever direction is kind of great and it keeps you on your toes um but when i'm it's creating the same thing with wrestling that you like yeah too. yeah yeah uh yeah. but there are I, it's also my biggest problem too is that I go into things and I had to I had to learn how to let go of a lot of stuff mm. because I would have I would have an end product in mind and if things didn't start to line up that way then I would be like mm, this isn't what I wanted but yeah. I let go of that it took a little while to learn to let go of that that because sometimes you can come up with something better as yeah. a result than what you had in mind yeah, sometimes organic things are just out outshine yeah. anything that you could have thought of ahead but of like time. Like when I started doing everything, I was asking for feedback constantly uh, yeah. because I wanted to know what people want. But again, it's because I was trying to make them happy. But yeah, I it never was validation. It wasn't. Yeah, like, and I never yeah, stopped to think, oh, I might be making them happy, but then the people who like the thing I was doing are not going to be happy. Yeah. So mm -hmm. ultimately, you just have to do what you think is the best for your content, and feedback at some point has to not matter. Yeah. as much you have to be like oh thank you yeah. i will consider that like, i and if love it feedback me, then... it's great and it keeps yeah. me conscious uh, and always thinking and always considering which you should be you should never mm -hmm. completely rest and just be like this is what i do and that's it uh, or else yeah. i would have never started like half the shows that i'm doing now i know but 
I uh, yeah, I guess that's the <laughs> the biggest yeah. thing. That's a good. It's a good answer. It's good good advice as well. Um, oh yes, this is also a question of mine, so I'll ask this one: Is there anyone that you wish you could interview but you haven't had the chance to yet? Howard Stern. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to be the answer. Uh, there are actually a so lot cool. of people that I I do have like a wish list of top five people that I would love Hit to with interview. Your top five. Um, Howard Stern, obviously. Uh, yeah. LeVar Burton. Yeah. I adore that man. <laughs> like all DNG people. <laughs> um, no, uh, let's see. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I mean, Patrick Stewart has to be on that list. Yeah, He's, yeah. It's they're all TNG people. That's I know, cool. it, pretty cool. much <laughs> for the most part, it is. Um, there are uh, Chris Hardwick. I would love to have yeah. a mostly because he kind of has the job that I want. He, it, like, and so you, what would you ask him? It's so it's it's weird because I don't. I've I've listened to his podcast for so long that I feel like I know him, and I've met him several times. And had like yeah. some casual conversations with them, but I've never like gotten to sit down in the one-on-one -on -one interview with people. And sometimes there's there's part of the things that I'm curious about uh, whether or not he's answered them before. Maybe he'll answer them differently because every conversation has a different dynamic. You can ask yeah. the same questions that somebody else has asked and get a completely different answer just because yeah. you're the person asking it, which is something I don't think a lot of people think about. That's crazy to me. But it's it, but it makes total sense when you take a second to think about it. We all have like, different dynamics with every single person. Yeah. So you don't know how open or whatever you're going to be. And sometimes it's the environment. There's so many factors that uh, allow a person to answer the way that they do. Um, but also sometimes my desire to interview somebody is not just because I'm curious, but I'm also looking to build a connection with that person because yeah. there is something strangely intimate about a one on one conversation where you are just focused like how often in this life anymore do you no. sit down with one person and say we're gonna carve out an hour and only talk to each other i know like nobody does that anymore and this is the place where that happens so i've gotten to talk to people that like i've become huge fans of because like when i sat down with tony horton the guy who yeah. created p90x one i never thought he'd say yes <laughs> that's crazy um so I sat in a room with him, not just like online. I was in a room with him for yeah. like an hour, hour and a half. And I had one of the best conversations that I've ever had with a, another human being because it's there's something kind of special about that. Let's block out everything else. And it's just me and you here. So like even though I know people are listening to this now and after the fact and watching now and after the fact, I'm having a conversation with you. Yeah. And it's super intimate still. Yeah. Like I remember being really nervous when you were going to because it was my first time on a podcast or being interviewed for something like this. And I remember being so nervous. And then the moment like we started talking, you were like, hey, it's just a conversation with me. And you made me feel so comfortable. And even though I knew that people were there and listening, I still it still felt like maybe it was just, you know, the 40 of us in a room. But 40 is such yeah. a big number. But then you think like, but somehow it felt like there were maybe four. The audience starts to felt, fade away. It still managed. Yeah. And I'm, not still manages I'm not disregarding the people watching. I love that people are watching. Yeah. But yeah. it ultimately just becomes like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And there's something yeah. special about that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's wild. 
Um, okay. So I, and I have to say, like when you said it's hard, when people listen to podcasts, they want to do podcasts because mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened to me. As so soon I had to as we did the interview, he was like, when we're yeah, starting, the interview, when we starting I was on- like, I messaged Rob and I was like, I am now obsessed with podcasts and I want to be a podcaster, but I don't really have anything that, you know, I'm, that is a passion of mine that I could do a podcast about. So I basically just said, Rob, if you ever need me, let me know. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to turn on the microphone and see what happens yeah. and not have a necessary goal. Because and this is something that uh, Chris Hardwick says, Kevin Smith says, people, podcasters that I respect, they say Mm -hmm. the hardest thing is just starting. A lot of people look at what they want it to be and they will not get started until they can have it be that thing. But if you don't start now, yeah, if you don't. And I've said this to Todd before, so I know she's she's (laughs) like going yes yes because this is how we started her show too is i was on her about no i know you have an idea let's just do it let's just start because it's not going to get done unless we start now and it's going to grow into something you don't expect and it won't grow though until you start and i'm not doing yeah i'm not doing the same show now that i was eight years ago and exactly. I'm okay with that. No, I know. I went back and I listened to it. <laughs> oh, I know. That was terrible. <laughs> oh, I know. No, it's just, I was surprised, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's not that I was expecting, it's not like it was bad. It was just different. And so it was not. Well, I was, was very segment all, so. focused and like. Yeah, you were. This and this and this and this because I was so afraid of not having a direction or a goal or an outline. But yeah. now my notes are like, I'll still have two or three pages of notes per show. But it's an yeah. outline of like, and if I get to it, I don't or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just kind of like in this episode, we covered this and this and then it just like flows. Yep. It, yeah. So it's good. Um, I do have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Streaming stars are basically what you see is what you get because of the medium. Have you met someone that's better in real life or in person? And on stream or TV, I would assume also on stream or TV. Yeah, because um, I think you've only inter- you've only interviewed like three streamers so far, right? Yeah, yeah. But as far as like people I watch versus people I've met in real life, I find most yeah. honestly, like I know a lot of people have said like they've met people and have been disappointed to meet them in real life because they just weren't the yeah. same. Um, yeah. But of the people, but you got to think about the environment with that yeah, too. Like absolutely. a lot of times you're meeting them at like TwitchCon mm-hmm. where they're overwhelmed and there's like not ninety people around them. So of the people I've met, I haven't found to have that much of a disconnect between the way they present themselves on stream and the way they present themselves in real life. If anything, they're a little more. And I, we said this a little earlier too. There's a performance mm-hmm. aspect that takes over when you're on any kind of broadcast medium. You are you're expected to be entertaining and put on a show and that requires a level of energy and there's certain things you have to do. So that's the only thing I would say separates that sometimes you see that turned off. Yeah. And and that's fine. Just hang out. Because if anything, that just means you get to see real them, too. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Neither is fake. It's just that one is more relaxed than the other. Yeah, that's fine. Um. Yeah. As far as people I've like interviewed and stuff that are not streamers, uh, most I find to be even nicer in person. Yeah, nicer yeah. person than than what they present, which is just interesting to think about, actually. And voice actors, I always say this: voice actors are the sweetest people on the planet. They are the nicest people I interview out of any group of anybody because they have zero egos. They're not they're oh. not visibly on screen most of the time, and even those that are know what it's like to be on the other side 
So they I've learned so much about you in the last I don't even know how long we've been talking, <laughs> but there you just said it again. You said like the the actors being, you know, invisible or behind the scenes. There's your Batman. That's that's why you like the idea of becoming a voice actor. And yet I that, crave that is being very on screen at the same time. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. But I I, I want to be adored. <laughs> <laughs> help help me with my with my, you know, self love. Yes. Like help me get there. Yeah. Um, I think we all want that at the end of the at day. At some a little point, bit. yeah. Yeah. We all just want to be loved. Um, okay, in in starting the podcast, who did you begin interviewing? If people didn't know who you were, mm. how how did you get people to come onto the show? Uh, the first interview I did was uh, the only the eleventh episode in. I had already oh, wow. committed someone to an interview, and you can't go after like the A list people right away. Obviously, uh, yeah. the first interview yeah. I ever did on the podcast was with the author of the book. It's kind of a funny story. Uh, his name is Ned Vizzini. I don't know that book. He was, he's roughly, or was roughly my age. I, I have to say past tense, unfortunately. Um, because he, one of the, the things in his book was, uh, he, and there was the movie based on it too. Um, it deals a lot with depression as does the follow-up story. Unfortunately, like two or three years after I interviewed him, he jumped off his parents. Oh my God. Uh, his parents roof on like Christmas Eve. And like killed himself. Oh my god! Yeah. But so when that happened, I was like, w- like that guy has a place in history for me personally. Yeah. Even though yeah. I never like met him, met him. Um, he's he has he's the first interview I've ever I ever did. Yeah. At least on the podcast, I think maybe in general was he? Hmm. He might have been the first interview. The first con interview I ever did was Carrie Byron from MythBusters. Wow. And that was in like 2013, 14, something like that. I met I met them once. They're one I've met all the Mythbusters. So yeah. the first the first press room I was ever in and doing interviews was Carrie Byron, Grant Imahara, and Tori Belici. Uh and then I yeah. met the two main guys on uh like yeah. an autograph signing. Um Yeah. I've only met those two, yeah. but it's because they came to my local town's museum oh, or yeah. something. It was crazy. Because I was from a very small town, so it was very shocking that they even came by. But yeah, it was very cool. To yeah, meet and them. they're super sweet. Um, but when you're starting off, you have to one of the things that's nice about having a podcast is people look at you as an authority on whatever it is you're podcasting about. Yeah. So there is a level of prestige that lines up with it. Uh I don't know if it's as big a level anymore because there are so many podcasts out there. You can't assume somebody's going to say no. You just have yeah, to ask. Assume the yes. Yeah. yeah. If they say no, Same fine. With. I've I've gotten lots of no's, but I've yeah. also gotten way more yeses that I never thought I would get <laughs> yeses on. Because you just because asked. Because I asked. Yeah. The power of asking is tremendously huge, and most people will never yeah. ask because they're afraid. And if you don't get yeah. the answer you want, okay, I'll come back to you in a couple of years. Yeah. It doesn't mean no forever. Right. I think that's that's a hard thing to learn um, growing up is no isn't always no. Right. It's um, no right now. Like trying to grow. No, yeah, no, it's for, no now. for now. No you know? for now. Yeah. So um, especially with your careers, I wanted to ask you something else um, that just came up. Do you do you ever have moments where you follow certain people after you interview them? 
where you like check in on them later and go, oh, wow, they're doing this now. Like, I mean, I'll yeah, yeah, I'll I'll like I there are some people that I've interviewed that I wasn't following on Twitter that I'll follow afterwards and be like, wow, that person kind of impressed me. And I'm curious what they're going to do next. So, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. There's um I'm trying to think there are, God, there's so many examples. I don't even, yeah, no, I know you've interviewed yeah, a lot of people. I, there, there, there is, there becomes like a weird investment in their career. Yeah. And like, a, if they're a super kind person, and I think it's maybe why people are even on their best behavior during cons is like, I want to support this person now. And I'm in a yeah. place where I can a little bit. So Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty neat, actually, to be able to make all these like little, it reminds me of those movies where you see like somebody who's, you know, gone on this crazy life journey and they've met all these random people throughout the way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what your podcast reminds like, me I'm of. Like I'm not making or breaking meet. anyone's career, but I've, yeah, I've but, had some cool moments here and there. Like we got to yeah. reveal characters for a video game. We got to be the outlet to reveal like a character for Lego Batman three when it came out because we had the That's director on uh we had the game director on the podcast and he was like, Oh, I got a surprise for you. I was like, wait, what? What are we doing? Oh, and that was wow. another thing I had asked. I was like, can we reveal a character? And he didn't tell me until the podcast. Till the day yeah. of he was like, Oh yeah, by the way, we can. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. You asked. I asked. Oh, I would have been so nervous to do that. But okay, so advice advice from rob rob be critical of myself like (laughs) you know watch watch my things give myself my own feedback and ask Mm -hmm. these are the two crazy things that i've learned here let me see i think oh yep okay there's one other question um there has been talk of just starting it to get it going and growing but what avenues do you look at to put your brand of podcasting out there Hmm. like how strategic are you um, I mean, the most important thing is getting up on every platform you can. Yeah. Like ours is available on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, we weren't doing video stuff before, but now we take segments of the podcast and those up those up on YouTube as well. Some on Twitch, even just doing it like this. Like, don't there's so yeah. many mediums now. Don't limit yourself to one because I can hit the podcast. I can hit Twitch and I can hit YouTube with the same content. So why yeah. not? spread it, it out brings more people to you and yeah the end. different people like watching for yeah. different in different ways and some people want to listen to the show while they're on a treadmill other people want to sit down in front of a tv and watch it whatever yeah. they want to do make sure you're supplying that but also and this is the biggest thing that i tell people now i guess maybe this is what i would have given myself let's go back to one of your other questions uh yeah. maybe this is the advice i would have given myself is don't try to make something too broad so like the biggest problem with This show that you're listening to now is that I try to talk about everything I love, which is a wide breadth of things. Uh, That is that it is. It is. But I'm not going to find an audience that way. If you want to get an audience quickly and build an audience, uh, there was another podcast that I had started that I stopped just based on time, even though I love doing it. And maybe I'll bring it back at some point. Uh, There was another podcast called Random Movie Club where. Oh, yes, I, I've seen yeah, that. So I, I mean, I saw that when I was looking through <laughs> your stuff. I would, I would uh, have a different co-host every episode. I never chose the movies. They always chose because I, wa- I was like, I have this backlog of movies that I've never watched. And I'm sure other people yeah. love them. And I just love talking about yeah. movies more than any other medium. So they would come on the podcast, uh, choose a movie. We both had watched it already just prior 
took our notes and we discuss it for like a half hour to 45 minutes. So it's a little shorter than most podcasts. Yeah. It's a little more bite-sized. I know 30 to 45 minutes is bite-sized when it comes to podcasts. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but that that was the best way. Like each episode was a specific focus and it was only one yeah. movie per episode. So that was very easy to market. I could go onto Reddit and I could jump into the subreddit for whatever specific thing. And I could drop yeah. a link in there and say, hey, if you love this thing that you guys all love, let's put this in here. And those episodes got more listens way faster than any of the other stuff I've done because they're so narrow focused. And if someone doesn't like a movie, yeah. they just skip that episode and wait till the next one. Um, yeah. So but something like this is very hard to market because they're like, well, what do you talk about? I talk about geeky stuff. Well, what does that mean? Everything. There's already too yeah, many what questions. Does that even mean? Whereas if you yeah. go, oh, this is a movie podcast. Oh, I, I know what that is. What's this episode about? The Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, well, I know if I'm in or out right away. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. So so have you ever thought to yourself, okay, I'm going to narrow my focus? Um, on with, this, with Geek Gen, on this, no. Because yeah. like, I like doing the dedicated episodes to specific things. But if yeah. I narrow my focus, I... I don't get to do everything I want to do. So I yeah, might get more success if I did that, but I wouldn't be as happy. There are times that I thought about stopping this podcast and just doing random movie club because I still love doing that. And it would be easier to get an audience that way. Uh, I love having both, but you know, we only have so much time. I love doing. Yeah. Both of I was them. just going to say like, it sounds to me like, yeah, you only have so and booking much. people was a thing. But now that I know more people, <laughs> yeah could find it to be pretty easy and also you know you're doing movie nights with i've your, thought about that too with, about yeah, integrating like it, it right anyway in. so yeah, yeah you could do that together that'd be pretty cool um oh geez oh wow okay we have another question that just popped in um have you ever considered oh oh no we kind of sort of answered okay. this one but have you ever considered doing multiple podcasts yes. <laughs> like one with todd or one for yes <laughs> one for twitch specific topics no i have i even considered I considered doing uh, a gaming focused one since being on Twitch and having yeah, only right? interviews but... with streamers and game devs because and I don't depending on uh, sometimes I don't know what my audience cares about necessarily. Yeah. And I've done like surveys and stuff. And yes, I want to do what makes me happy. And I ultimately do always do that. But I can see yeah. number differences between like what I, I know right away if people are in or not on certain things. Yeah. So there are episodes that I've done that don't follow the normal format of the show. And those sometimes get less listens because some people are like, what the hell is Twitch? Yeah. Not everybody. Did you find did you find your Twitch episodes didn't do as well? It depends. Yeah. It depends. Honestly, a lot of when it comes to interviews, people mm -hmm. will listen based on whether or not there's two factors. There's whether or not people care about the person that I'm interviewing yeah. And whether that other person promotes it, because I can only promote so much. So yeah, if the other person doesn't promote, then my audience might go, well, I don't know who that is. But if yeah. their audience wants to listen, that's how it's going to get numbers. Huh. I mean, I do it regardless because I want to. Yeah. Yeah. But I have thought about if I had done a separate gaming podcast that was just game devs and Twitch streamers, that would probably find an audience very quickly. Yeah. Because would, people would know that's what they're going for. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, man. But that's like immediately I'm already thinking about how much work you put into to Geek Gen and then 
multiplying that by you know random movie club and then you know this mm-hmm. like twitch podcast. i mean at one point like, that's all you'd be able to do at one point i've had other people host shows on this network yeah. and ultimately that's what i would love to do is have like different people hosting their own shows on it so that i don't have to do everything, everything but like this yourself. platform is here and i want people to use it like if you can start from not zero <laughs> yeah why not oh so to be like an actual generation. Of yes, peaks, that, that you know, was like always the intent. Shows. It was never supposed to be all about me. I mean, Interesting. I, I do get picky about the content I make because that is kind of about yeah. me. But yeah, the the name was not it's not just a tribute to Star Trek The Next Generation. It yeah. was always with an implied community community that's so, so intriguing to me. A whole community. It's kind of why the Twitch channel has gone in that direction. Yeah, I've I've actually I've noticed that. And I have to say, like what you've done. So for those of you listening, who have no idea um, what Geek Generation does on Twitch. You can go twitch.tv forward slash the Geek Generation and see this really cool new segment that Rob is doing called Wheel of Geek Gen, where he has um, casters on Twitch who are basically, you know, performers who will either play video games or create things. And, and they basically play Wheel of Fortune against each other but the topics rob picks all the topics um him and todd do do the questions together and it's it's a riot it can be can be great and the show's evolving so where um yeah the the next version of it is nearing completion i have to thank k jedi publicly because he's been working his butt he worked on it for like six hours yesterday straight yeah i I watched that actually and he's been working on a new version of wheel uh we've started talking about how we can do twitch integration with it and actually have the tag team partners so we choose tag partners that get assigned to each contestant as we're playing and they usually win a game but what if that tag partner could actually drop power-ups on their partner Oh my so god! Or like you could use sort of a lifeline. Yeah, so we're gonna start thing. looking into integration so that their partners can what? really help That's them during so the game. That's so cool. So we're gonna That's we're amazing. gonna become. We started parodying a pre-existing game show, but we're gonna become yeah, something. Yeah, but now more. you're gonna come. Yeah. That's that's really, really amazing. And that's something that I actually actively when I see you and what you're doing, it's something that I really admire. You're always always saying this is where i am right now but how do i take it here how do i take it to the next level sometimes to my how own I detriment because it's there's yeah. a lot of ambition because i don't have time for all of it but yeah but sometimes like i mean i feel like it's better to be ambitious and have projects maybe not come to fruition i'm thinking of that one project mm-hmm. that we were actually both yes. a part of which would have been amazing have, yeah. but it was just difficult getting like six people in together to try to get it to to come into fruition but i feel like it's better to do that and have you know things that don't work out rather than just stagnate all mm. the time and i feel like there's a so. lot of people like that and to those people i would say if you have all those ideas just make sure mm-hmm. just get them done one at a time like i know you're excited about yeah. a lot of things i am the same way i got excited about a lot of different things and i yeah. have like i have a, a a completely original game show that i'm developing uh just on paper right now I have other shows that I like we've started doing streamers panels, but I didn't do that until Wheel of Geek Gen was flowing, like lock down yeah, the one waited. thing I noticed that too. and then bring yeah. in something else that you want to work on after that. You yeah. can do everything. Just take your time getting to each one. Oh, I think that um, 
that's super, super important is that when you've got a lot of really great ideas, you know, write those ideas down, tackle Mm -hmm. them one at a time, get them to a point where they're great and they're good on their own and then move on to the next one. But I also find, at least for me personally, I let some go now Mm. because originally I would be like, this is a great idea. And by let them go, I mean, I approach other people that I feel like would be a great fit for the Mm -hmm. idea. And I'm like, here's this idea I have. If it speaks to you the way that it spoke to me, please just take it and run with it. I just like to see it out there in the world Um, rather than, you know, needing to be the one to do it all the time. Some people are idea people uh, and and others are executors. And if Mm -hmm. you, if you're both, that's rare, but yeah, regardless, I mean, surround yourself with both (laughs) for sure. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Then that stuff will come to reality. When did you, learn how to ask for help i still have not completely it's when anytime better yeah i have gotten a little better yeah uh the the biggest thing like when they you sit down for the job interview and they say what are your strengths and weaknesses my weakness is always i'm not good at asking for help always and it always has been i and i i think it's partially because i pride myself on being and everything type of guy like oh you can do that and you can do that and you can do that yeah i can yeah i don't have time for it all all but i can so to to admit to myself that to to kind of conceit and be like okay maybe i don't have time for this and i don't have time so i can either ask someone else or it has to go and when things start to have to go instead of asking people that's when i ask for help yeah. When you're like, oh, I have to let this go if I don't. Yeah. And I don't want to let it go. So I'm not I'm not good about it at all. Yeah. So then what goes through your what goes through your mind? Like, do you are you ever in a situation where you give something up? and You're like, fudge, if I had just asked somebody for help, then I would have gotten this done or it would have been better. Or, hmm. you know, how do you. If it's something that you know you need to work on, how are you? Yeah, it's tough because part of part of not letting go is I know I'm losing an opportunity to learn uh, yeah. because there are there are things I know I'm not as good at as other people. Yeah. But if I give those up, sometimes like, well, I'm not going to get better at it then if I give it up. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I okay. need to hold on to it so I can get better at that thing. And I have this weird obsession with being good at everything. So if I'm yeah. not it's that Batman, yeah, it is. It is. If I <laughs> yeah. if I am not as good at something, I want to learn from it. Even though sometimes the only way I end up giving it up is I'm like I don't have time to learn the new thing. I want to. I just it's always time. Time is the the biggest like time is the worst. Ugh, it's the worst. It's the best and it's the worst. Because can I, I ask just, you something about time management? Sure. It's totally. I'm so sorry. No, for those of you listening. go ahead. This is totally a selfish question, but um, how do you know when you don't have time? That sounds like a stupid. Question, but like I know I don't have time when I'm five hours into something. I'm like I don't have time for this. What am I doing? Really? Yeah. Like okay, so you don't like block it out because I feel like I wish I could schedule stuff, but I can't. I get inspired when I get inspired, and I'm not when I'm not. And the only things that I do block out are the the actual production of things. So like I can't schedule my pre production note taking and when I'm going to do all that stuff, but I can schedule out when we're going to be live and recording. Yeah. So I know this is my deadline. It needs to get done. 
and I'm also I'm also on like so I have co-hosts on all the time and yeah. I have to be on them and be like, I need your notes by like Wednesday if we're recording in a few days because I also yeah. make the effort to watch all the stuff they want to talk about. That's so cool. Or I try to at least because yeah. then you can't have a conversation otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just like, I don't know what you're talking. Yeah. About. So. I, I get discouraged. Um, my my biggest problem, I think, with working with other people is I want everyone to care about the stuff I'm making as much as I do. And I know that's yeah. not realistic, but like this is this is it for me. Like the, all the stuff I make is the biggest part of my life. It's the thing I care about the most. So other people have like they want to spend time with their friends. They want to do this. I'm like, yeah. it's all the same for me. This is how I spend yeah. time with my friends. This is like this is it. Aside from like my family, like this is the thing that I care about the most. Have you ever been called a workaholic? Um, not in those terms. No, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think I have. I don't. Mm. Maybe maybe no one's around enough to tell me that. Yeah. But no, I feel like I am. But I don't feel like people see the work. Yeah. They see the end result. And that's the smallest time part of it. But I don't think yeah. they see all the work that happens how many from start to finish for one episode how many hours would you say that you put into one episode now i would say like three to four but when in the earlier days it was more like 10 to 11 that's crazy so you'd get like 10 hours of time into one hour of content and that's that's that was one of the reasons that i started getting discouraged yeah so now now it's the oh well let's record it out there on the intro and it's out there i can't I can't be yeah. too involved or else I'd never have time to stream. Yeah, of course. So just what you said and what you described is, is probably one of the first things that I think um, people talk about when they try to identify somebody who's a workaholic, mm-hmm. that everything's the same. It's all on the same level for me. Like I love this just as much as this. And to me, like it's all, mm-hmm. it's all together. Cause I have that too. Yeah. I'm just like, Oh man, this is my passion. I love what I'm doing. Like I can sit here and forget, there are a few things in my life where I forget to eat because I'm <laughs> yeah. doing the thing that I'm doing, um, you know, and it's just like when you find that thing and you're like, oh, I've gone however long and oh, oh, crap, I've forgotten to eat. I feel like that's when, you know, like, oh, I'm either a workaholic or I'm loving what I'm doing or both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like I get that vibe from you a little bit where you'll just oh yeah, push I'll... yourself, but but not to the point of like, you know, people say, oh, you're going to work until you, you know, you die or, you know, what what is creating for you Mm -hmm. but for you it's not just like work it's not work it's a it's a labor of love it's a passion Mm. so of course you're gonna yeah it doesn't feel like the the post-production of the podcast was the only thing i was doing that felt like work and that's why i was like that needs to that needs to be reduced that needs to change so that i can continue doing what i'm doing that's actually advice that they give you too on on anything that you're doing i remember um in photography my first year in photography they were like if you hate this process of it hire somebody else to do it mm-hmm. or it's going to drag you down yep. like you know figure out identify what you can and cannot do what your weaknesses are and then just get it get it done mm-hmm. find somebody else to do it for you 100 percent. or yeah so that's very very interesting i just noticed we've been talking for almost two hours right <laughs> pretty close Is to that, that true uh yeah we yeah. started about 15 minutes after so we're oh, at like an hour Lord. and a half right now yeah Okay, so is that okay? Is that's that okay? fine. Do yeah, no, that's that's great. Okay. You can do whatever okay. you want to do. I'm okay. <laughs> I I do have a couple more questions sure. in my like uh, uh 
list. So if- I don't get interviewed almost ever. So you do. What yeah. You want okay. To good. Do. I do have a couple more. I just looked down and was like, Oh my God, I've gone over the time. I told him I would. Um, <clears throat> so you guys listening uh, or watching on Twitch, if you have any other questions, feel free to ask those now. And I'm going to ask a couple more and then, and then we'll probably wrap, wrap it up. Sure. But um, okay. So for the, for the podcast, you're saying you put in three to four hours per episode, mm-hmm. but your episodes aren't like once a week anymore. No. Like they used to be pretty regular and now you do it whenever you find the time to just throw up a new episode. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that people always said was important for building an audience is consistency. So I was like yes. every Monday, every Monday, yeah. every Monday, every Monday. And I saw no change from that. So I was like, well, guess yeah. what? I'm just going to do it when I want now. Yeah. It's either that and I've seen any change from no, I've told my audience too. And I think as long as you communicate everything, like if you communicate with people, then they will respect your decision. It's when you don't tell them and you disappear that they get upset. And then you feel and then I would feel like I violated a relationship, like I violated a commitment that I made to an audience. So if so, kind of true. So that makes sense. So at this point, it's like I can do it. When I do it, I'm going to aim for every two weeks. Uh, Mm -hmm. If if I don't, I'm sorry, but it's either that or nothing. Yeah. Like this is the compromise. So and I haven't noticed a numbers change as a result. That's interesting. So can you tell me I wanted to ask about relinquishing control? And if this is like a veto topic, you just let me know. Um, I've just been watching from a distance your relationship with your CM Mm -hmm. with with Todd, at what point did you say, this is something that I want? Like, I, I would like to have somebody come in on mm. such a monumental level and help me with, you know, streaming and uh, the podcast yeah. even and, and things like that. My projects. There was a little bit of like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do is you're supposed okay. to get a community yeah. manager. Um, yeah. There was also personal reasons of I am crushing myself. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> and. I need to it's either it's either going to be that I have to back off on something like if I didn't have Todd to help me out, I wouldn't be podcasting again. So she takes some of that weight off of me uh, with some of those time commitments so that I can invest more time into the content. And that's that is what I want is I want to be able to keep making stuff and to keep creating. And it was and it was like kind of like we said earlier, like I can either let it go or I can ask for help. And I decided in that rare instance to ask for yeah. help for a change. And as a result, I'm able to keep podcasting. So that's and and I'm still I'm still learning. I'm sure she would agree with me. I'm still yeah. having a hard time letting go of certain things. Um, but since I know it is my weakness, I forced it on myself. You go out in a of way. your way to try. I'm trying and I know it's going to be a journey. But I'm going to get there and I'm confident that I'm going to get there. It's just yeah. going to take it's going to take some time. Yeah, it's probably it's probably one of the hardest things I feel like for content creators, because usually the people who go out and try to do something like, you know, be whether you're a YouTuber or podcaster or something like that, you're you're usually a, con- a little bit of a control mm-hmm. freak. We all are. Yeah. Um, so I, I find it fascinating that um I, I did something similar and, and I found it very challenging to relinquish the control. Mm-hmm. But then also at the same time, there came a moment where I was like, oh, thank God that I have this mm-hmm. person because otherwise I would be like, I'd be dead. <laughs> I'd be like drowning right now in work and, and responsibilities and just 
stress that you carry alone on your project mm-hmm. that you don't have to have anymore. You just don't have to have it. So it's, find it's that very nice. interesting. It's very nice. Is there anything that you thought that surprised you about having a community manager? Cause I noticed she does community management for you, but she also does a little bit more actual mm-hmm. like management stuff and, and helps you with that kind of stuff. So is there anything that surprised you that you weren't expecting that you really appreciate about having that? I, I was, so I had said that I wanted people to care about what I'm doing as much as I did. And I didn't think like, obviously nobody ever can because I'm me and this is my thing. Um, but her level of commitment and caring about it was the biggest surprise to me. Yeah. Like it's, she's in, Yeah, she's in all the way. For I you, have, and I that's have very awesome. I always, I'm very bad about like giving feedback and stuff too. And I know she's had to remind me, she's like, if you don't like a certain thing, you have to tell me. And I'm not, I'm yeah. very bad about giving feedback because I just based on like personal things, I'm yeah. very used to, if I give you negative feedback, you're gone. That's the response I generally get from people. Anytime I give like feedback, that's not a hundred percent positive. So it's tough yeah. for me to, in any relationship with anybody be like hey uh this thing like even it's the most minor thing in the world i'm just like i don't want to rock the boat there's a there's a technique that our friend who is also a cm Mm -hmm. uses i'm gonna drop her name (laughs) sophie um and she i think she calls it a compliment sandwich yes it was called that in my hypnosis class as well yes where you say a nice thing then do the constructive thing and then you say another nice thing Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe you could try that when you're <laughs> letting people, I mean, I have, the- I have given some feedback, but I'm just very, I know that's the best way to give feedback. And yeah, I'm just like, yeah. this is the thing, but it's still scary to you because you're worried that they're going to go away yeah. at the end of the day. Is that, it? can I, I'm just going to ask you this. Has that ever happened with us? No, 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 no. Um, it's no, it's, it's usually like a working relationship. It's usually like a personal relationship honestly. Ah, um, okay. But when you work with your friends, those become yeah, the same thing. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly from a personal, uh, standpoint that I just get, I get very afraid to scare people away Yeah. in general. I can ask you more about that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a whole yeah, other yeah, level. <laughs> yeah. I will, we'll, we'll let that go. Um, <laughs> that's another few hours. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. I have, I have one other question that I've seen come through here. Um, how do you stay motivated with that much going on? How do you avoid burnout or get out from being burned out? Um, motivation is not something I've ever had to work to get because if you want to do something and you love doing something that is its own motivation, you can't yeah. you can't go into a project being like, I want to make this thing because this will be the result of me making this thing. You have to go in and say, I just I, I can't not make this thing like I, I have to. It's the reason, like we said earlier, I have to podcast. If I yeah. stop for too long. It builds up inside and I'm like, I got to say things about I stuff. Do that. <laughs> and if no one's going to listen to me, I'm going to. So I I have to do it. It's not really a choice. There's also a level of uh, building up a routine. 
So like yeah. in the the fact that I was putting things out on a weekly basis, I started getting into habits of mm-hmm. I need to have notes done by here. It needs to be edited by here. And I wasn't always thrilled that it needed to be done at a certain time, but I made a commitment to myself and I'd rather go, Ugh, I don't want to be doing this right now. than the have that feeling afterwards of I should have done that yesterday. Yeah, that's the worst feeling is yeah the thing oh, that God. you should have done I, I live and breathe that feeling yeah. <laughs> trying to do things all the time where it's like oh man but like or something unexpected comes up and shifts your whole schedule and you're like yeah Fudge. but i'm i'm fortunate I and i know i've i've kind of crafted this myself is my relaxation is still intertwined so like yeah i calm down and zone out and get recharged by watching movies most of the time i always tell people the movie theater is my church i go there and that's where i recharge my batteries because I can block out the rest of the world. And it's watching movies at home is great too, but I need to go to a theater every now and huh. then. And I have to sit down and I have to block out the world and just lose myself in a story. Uh, and that, that fuels what I'm doing with it. So yeah. they're all intertwined. So my relaxation, my motivation all come from the same place. What was the last movie that you saw that you really liked? Actually, I just saw Tomb Raider couple days oh, ago really? well that'll be uh we do a full spoiler room it's not the whole episode but we do hop into the spoiler room for tomb raider on episode 299 which people hopefully have listened to by the time they listen to this um yeah. but i i actually enjoyed tomb raider a lot more than i thought i would well interesting so out of five stars what would you rate it it's just so tough. that i know how high to push it up on my list uh it's it's we so i don't like rating movies which i know is weird <laughs> Um, and when I write, when I write reviews on, uh, on the website or I talk about them on the podcast, I never include numbers and I never include like a rating system because I feel like it discredits the movie and the reviewer. Uh, like we write content to be read and it's, and a lot of people will just go, Oh, how many stars or what's the, what's the grade you gave this or what? I hate sites like Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. They reduce everything to numbers. You know, yeah. And they do reduce everything to numbers. And I I feel like there's been some controversy there too. Like people will pay to get better ratings and stuff. So it's like now, now what's the point? I feel like uh, there's, there's the rare movie that I can like walk away from and be like, I got nothing out of that. Or there wasn't something that I appreciated about it. Sometimes it's, Simply the sound or the music or the cinematography yeah. or the lighting. Every movie has something worthwhile except the room. You didn't like the room? <laughs> it's garbage. A lot of people say <laughs> a lot of people say that the room is so bad it's good. I could not I could not make it through. No. Nope. That's not your nope. type of humor. It's, uh. it's garbage. <laughs> that was partially a joke and it's partially true. Really yeah. It's partially true. You're yeah. kidding, but you're like inside. You're like, no, this is exactly how I feel. Um, I just saw Annihilation recently. I saw it too. Um, that was that was really good. Did you like that? I was a little disappointed. Okay. We'll have to talk about that. Also, we'll because... be on episode 299. <laughs> okay. All right. Not all right. a full fair, spoiler fair, fair. conversation, but uh, yeah. my, my thoughts. I will listen to yeah. that because I have to know. I have to know because <laughs> I, I found it very intriguing. Um. So thank you for talking to me. Thank you. It's been almost like two hours. I know. This, this has a been super fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for being willing to be interviewed for episode 300. Me willing, please. Just... I appreciate you doing this. I know I, yeah, I know from no, being an interviewer that's a lot of work and there's a lot of pressure on an interviewer. Like a lot of people look at the person being interviewed and feel like that's the entire interview. But I know from being on your side of things how much 
like you want it to go well and you did the preparation and uh, you're constantly oh God, thinking about so the flow. It was and so yeah, scary. No, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I had a blast and I'm, you know, as usual, you made me feel super comfortable. So it was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So thank you everybody for joining, for listening. Thank you guys. For those of you who are watching on Twitch, thank you guys so much. Um, Rob, do you want to plug your next stuff that's coming up um i actually think i did my research yeah yeah i um well i mean the podcast is going to keep going i hope um i we're still doing the stuff on twitch.tv slash the geek generation uh there's cooking streams maybe some more baking as science in the near future yes um we're gonna be doing a bunch of stuff from pax east we're gonna do an in, are we gonna do an in-person we're gonna try we're gonna try theater? yeah we're gonna try <laughs> Uh, yeah, so PB is going to be here in a couple weeks um, for PAX East. So we're going to try and do a Baking of Science live. We're going to hopefully be streaming a little bit from PAX itself. Um, so, yeah, just look out for all that stuff. Oh, hey, I'm on the end of this, too, because, uh, you know, that's what I do. A big thanks to Pumpkinberry for coming on the episode to chat with me. Uh, I appreciated that so much. You can check out her Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pumpkinberry. For everything else that we do, you can head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can watch our live podcasts, cooking, gaming, and more at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. The link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back next time with more geeky stuff for you. We will see you then. Later. Make it so.